Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome back to the channel and the podcast. We're talking some golf today. Look, this is like Christmas Eve this week, right? It's right before the Masters week where we're going to have two Millie Makers, a $4,500 Millie Maker entry, and then a lower stakes run, or I would say a more reasonable stakes one. But today, and this week really, we're going to be having the Bermuda Championship, breaking it down today like we normally do for golf. We returned last week with some of this golf content. We're going to go by the salary ranges, right? $8,000 plus, then we'll go seven, six K range. I've already done my projections. I've done some of the initial research on this event it is going to be a very weak field and why is there going to be a weak field here sal we've been seeing all these professionals and a lot of studs coming out the last couple of weeks yes they're, they're trying to tune up their game if you will for the masters but the week before let's now tune up the mental space we don't got to be out there and playing some players might appear in that field they're going to be appearing in that field but not a whole lot of them for what you're getting here i mean when you have brendan todd who has not been playing well his last couple of times out nowhere near playing well uh, recently just because he won this thing last year he's gonna be priced at eleven thousand dollars leading the field over eleven thousand dollars in salary i get why it's happening but that just tells you all you need to know about this event so basically before we get into it hit the like hit the subscribe i really do appreciate that these golf videos i, I kind of missed doing them so i brought them back last week definitely for the masters next week we're going to be doing them but obviously working through football while doing golf is is a lot of work so i'm hoping that this doesn't burn me out but i'm hoping that i can just continue to do it and enjoy doing it so as long as i enjoy putting these things out as long as they don't become strenuous on the work side of things yeah i'm going to be doing it so hit the like and subscribe for all that stuff and the video is sponsored by Monkey knife fight if you have not yet already heard they do have golf contests on monkey knife fight and it's a ton of fun player props have you heard of player props i highly recommend going over to monkey knife fight and taking advantage of their player props more or less for fantasy points more or less for total birdies bogeys this guy versus this guy all the type of stuff you can find on monkey knife fight and their proud sponsor of the show and because of that they're going to give you my proud supporters the people that i respect so much they're going to give you free money up to 50 dollars upon your first deposit using the promo code vetri just my last name v-e-t-r-i basically you put in 10 bucks they give you 10 you want to put in 50 bucks all the way up to that bonus because you're a heavy hitter, a head honcho, a kingpin. Bam, they'll give you 50 and you got $100 in your account. Check it out. It's all linked up down below. I highly do recommend the player props and just all the different type of game modes over there. It's a different way outside of DFS. We love DFS, but it's just a different way to kind of have a sweat on these types of games. It's not as much, I would say, as much work to trying to get this lineup constructed together. It's it's less of a tilting side of the sweat, right? So be sure to check that out. It's a nice little fun thing that you can do all throughout the event. So let's get into this and we'll just quickly break down the course. It's going to be the Port Royal Golf Course. It's going to be in Bermuda, basically what you're getting in Southampton, par 71. It usually plays around 6,800 yards or so. Again, they can change that for this specific event. Now, this course is actually the longest on the island, but even though it's still one of the shortest on the PGA Tour coming in again at just around 6,800 total yards, what you're going to be getting here is last time Brendan Todd ended up picking up the victory. You're going to have Will Zell Torres looking for some temporary membership. Some other players in this field, guys like Will Gordon can get some special cards and things like that. And then just kind of a little side note is that actually they're going to be allowing fans for the first time. They're going to be allowing fans limited to 500 per day since the whole stoppage to golf and just the whole sports world. This will be the first time that golf is allowing fans. So that's just a couple quick things. Basically what you want to be looking for, we don't have a huge sample on just the data and look things that are going to correlate and at least be uh, more so predictive analytics wise, what you want to be looking for in a model of a player here. But from what we can infer from the last time that they were here last year and what we can infer in the past is basically what you only wanted to do is to be accurate. I mean, look, last year, Brendan Todd won this thing. He doesn't have the craziest distance, but he's a very accurate player. So you want to be accurate and get into the fairways. You can take advantage of having distance though because there's some par fours that are definitely drivable so that's going to be kind of a sweet spot anybody can kind of win here i always am going to weigh approach to a good amount but they do have five par fours under 400 yards i mean it's a short course overall so uh, if you want to take out driver there you have to be accurate i mean unless you're a really good scramble you have to be accurate but it's going to be fine so you can drive these things you can try and drive a lot of these par fours that's going to be at your advantage but if you're not and you're just accurate you're also going to have an advantage so you can look for accurate bombers or you can just look for players who are accurate overall a uh, nice on their approach afterwards so really anybody is set up to win here it just 
just happened to be Todd last year. You're going to have to go low here. You're going to have to make a lot of birdies. So let's look into some of the players starting in this 10K plus range that we can hone in on and get a, a good feel for coming into the week. So up top in this range, again, it's going to be led by Brendan Todd, who in this field, if we're just trying to look over the past 50 rounds, is the second most accurate player in this field. So again, this is very good. This is how he won last year. The issue is as the lady has not been playing all that great. Now it hasn't been horrific, right? We've seen in the past month or so, the past month, month and a half or so out of Brendan Todd that he does still have top 20 finishes at the Tour Championship, a 27th at the US Open. But lately, CJ Cup, smaller field events, the Zozo, he's just been absolutely terrible. He's basically losing everywhere outside of his putter, which historically we know Brendan Todd, he's gaining over three and a half strokes over his last 10 rounds with the putter. So these things are a little bit concerning. Now, because of his price point, he doesn't grade out anywhere near a decent value for me. I currently have him in here as a no because of that. I think even at this level, he's still going to probably pick up around 20% ownership. And I can just get away from that ownership at that point, especially if I want to eat chalk in some other spots. So I personally probably am not going to get a lot of Brendan Todd. I don't think his two recent starts are a reason to completely scream and run away from him. He still does set up decent here. It's just the price point at this point. I don't want to be paying. Last week, you were paying, obviously, a totally different field, over $4,000 less for Brendan Todd. And not much has changed. If anything, he basically just showed another weak performance. So I'm going to get away from Todd here. Obviously, the defending champ, you can go to him if you want, but I don't really see much in his recent form that looks great outside of the putter. So I'm going to stay away. And now to play Will Zalatoris or to not play Will Zalatoris. So if, I mean, if you play cash in golf, yeah, play Will Zalatoris, right? He's going to grade out for my most projected points. He's my only player that I currently have projected for 80 plus fantasy points. You want to see all my projections and rankings for this and all the models and all the other stats that are to the right of the screen that you can't see right now? Well, link down below on Patreon, patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Vetri underscore. You can check it all out. So Zalatoris, it makes sense that Todd's the most expensive. They, they weight course history, a decent amount on DraftKings in the pricing, it seems. I would have put Zalatoris as the, the top price guy, but it seems like he's going to be over 30% maybe over 35%. He might touch 40% by the end of the week because look, he, he's playing for some tour temporary cards, things like that, but he's just so damn good. Now the putter is going to be a concern, but just get us there, right? That's all we want. We want your T to green play top six in this field in that department. We want your approach play and your ball striking. Well, he's a top five ball striker, top 10 uh, approach player in this field. So all that stuff's going to look really good. He looks like a great play, but when you're getting into tournaments and if this guy's going to start touching like 40% owned in a full field event, this is not an 80 person short type of a field, right? A full field event. I get it that this field is not loaded, but when you still have names, right? All this 10K plus range, you still have names in there, guys that are already not temporary tour members, but members of the PGA Tour. So you're going to hear a lot in content this week about Wills Altours, or either just play him how great he is. Yeah, he's great, but you don't just automatically play him, right? I'm playing 150 lineups in this. And even if I'm playing 20 max, even if I'm playing one lineup, I'm going to significantly consider fading him. So Wills Altours, every time we've seen him in the last three times, right? In weaker field events, I guess you can say 23% owned, 22% owned. This is an even weaker field event. And now people actually know his name. I think he's going to be 30 plus percent owned. Uh, I don't know if he hits 40 plus percent, maybe around that 35 range is what I have written in the notes um, on my screen to my right. I, I believe you guys can see it as well if you're watching on the video version. So I have him as a maybe because I'm not going to just full on put him out here as a no, because he is a good play. You have to just get different in other spots and it's very easy to do so. But if you're just not going to play Wills Altoris, that might be all you need to get unique or a lot, a lot easier to get unique in different spots. Like if he comes in at 40% on and you just don't have him in the one or two lineups that you're going to be playing, that's some pretty good leverage. If I run this optimizer, I'm going to get a good amount because of his price point. But again, that's what everybody else is going to do. So you have to kind of just think a little bit more strategy wise that the optimizer can't do for you. So Will Zalatoris right now, I'll leave it at this. If he hits 40% ownership, I'm probably going to fade him personally. That does not mean you have to fade him. You have to make your own decisions here on the risk tolerance that you want to take. But golf in golf PGA, something that is so random, extremely random. Again, if you're using an optimizer, bump up the randomness. It is so important to weight ownership 
to maybe the highest extent, much higher than projections when it comes to a certain level of ownership, in my opinion. So that's where it's going to be getting a little bit dicey for Will Zalatoris this week. Because look, he's been great, but he did miss the cut at the Sanderson Farms, right? At Corrales, we saw him finish top eight. The US Open, he finished sixth there. And the last time we saw him at the Shriners, uh, back at the beginning of October, he did finish fifth. But look, if he's going to finish fifth for you at this price point, maybe he barely gets it done, but he's not killing you. Like to kill you at that ownership, he needs to go out there and either win or finish top two with a ton of birdies, finish top three with a ton of birdies. That's the only way that he's going to kill you, murder your lineups, and absolutely make it so there's no shot that you can win and pass him in some some of your non-Wills Alatoris lineups. So I'm not going to be eating 40% ownership more than likely. That's just me. Again, you making your own decisions. And then to close out the 10K range, look, Harold Warner is going to be fine. He's been playing fine as of late. I don't think he's going to pick up as much ownership as the guys above him. So that makes him a little bit more appealing at 10,700 becomes a natural pivot in that price range to Will Zalatoris. Maybe we'll be around half his own, maybe even a third his own by the end of the week. He's been playing well. A 13th at the Shriners right now. Everything in his game has basically been clicking uh, over the last one or two events that you've been seeing. The putter is always going to be the concern for Harold Varner, but he has gained strokes putting in back-to-back events. That's going to be his biggest weakness overall in his entire game. Outside of that, though, like in this field, his alt to tee game, his overall tee to green game, his ball striking, his approach, all that stuff, because of it being a weak field, he's ranking out over the past 50 rounds. It's probably the best golfer overall in this field if you're just looking at stats over the last 50 rounds. And then the guy who's going to be probably the lowest owner in this range is probably going to be Doc Redman. We're seeing him coming off the cut at the Shriners the last time that we saw him. Why did he miss the cut? Well, he lost almost three strokes putting. So that's the main reason why. We know that uh, he's been kind of hit and miss with the putter, right? We know that his biggest weakness is going to be around the green, which is a major concern. The guy's only gained like in two events out of the last, I would say, I don't know, 15 events around the green. So that's a concern for you. But outside of that, very good ball striker, very good tee to green. I think that Doc Redman at 10,400 is a fine option because before the Shriners, you saw him finish top three in three out of his past five events, a top 30 in the other one at Sanderson Farms. So I think that he's a fine option to get to here. Uh, a very strong pivot. Like if you're just going to start your lineups with Doc Redman, you're probably going to be unique pretty quickly. Like he might not even hit 10% on, probably gets to like 12%, somewhere around there. But you could fade the whole 10K range, honestly, if you want to. Like there's a pretty decent amount of nine and 8K options. You're going to be very much unique at that point. I mean, I'm going to play a lot of lineups. So some of them are just going to fall out to like start lineups with either a Henrik Stetson or a Charlie Hoffman, somewhere around there, right? But I do think that Doc and Harold Varner are decent options as leverage. Like if I'm going to go ahead and fade Will Zalatoris, I assume a lot of that ownership is then going to be gets, getting sucked up by Varner and Redmond if I'm playing in the 10K range. So let's move down now to the 9K range. And you can see at the 9K range, it starts off with Charlie Hoffman. A lot of these guys aren't going to pick up a lot of interest for me. Like they're still going to be owned around 10% to 15% for most of them. That's just what happens in this 8K plus range because they're just the best golfers and at least the most consistent you can get. Now, things that Hoffman has going for him right now, just overall, I mean, their approach play has been fine. It's actually been very much improved uh, that we've seen. If you're just trying to look at some fairway accuracy, that's where he's going to have some issues. Now, he's fine when it comes to driving overall, like above average in terms of driving distance. The accuracy is not great and the driving distance is nowhere near elite. So you're getting a priced up golfer because of the weak field, but you're not getting a lot for it. Now, he's been relatively consistent. He missed the cut at the Shriners, but then he had top 15s at three of his past four events before that one. The interesting thing is he's been getting it done in different ways, which makes him all not that consistent either, right? He's six at the Sanderson Farms. He gains almost seven strokes putting, the most that we've seen out of him in a long time. Then we see him gain almost seven strokes on approach, the most that we've seen of him at a long time to finish fit top 15 at the Northern Trust. So it's a little bit fluky. I don't really want to pay this price tag for him. Danny McCarthy, I just don't know how much I really want to trust him to basically just putt for you, right? He's fourth in this field in putting. Outside of that, he's in the bottom half of the field in every single other category that we care about. Tee to green, approach, ball striking. His fairway accuracy is at least good to decent, above average, I would say, well above average. Uh, his driving distance not there. So just doesn't profile out as a guy that I want. Means to get you pretty much basically scorching hot with the putter and not be in the rough all that much. The scrambling is not going to be that great for one Denny McCarthy. Now we start to get to some guys who are at least appealing to me. The first one's going to be Henrik Stenson. And look, this is the issue with Henrik Stenson, like arguably the best golfer in this field. I mean, he, he is a former FedEx Cup uh, champion and, and points leader. So 
this is going to be a concern. Uh, overall total strokes, if you're looking at the last 50 rounds or so, he's going to be right up there for Tita Green for approach play. Everything's going to be clicking. And everything still has been clicking from an approach play standpoint. He's basically gained since we've seen him, since he's kind of made this return at the beginning of September at the US Open. He's gained in all three of those events when it comes to his irons and his approach play. The issue has been basically the putter right now. The issue has been the off the tee game to an extent. So look, he's missed a cut in three out of his last four events. This is going to be a very easy situation, but he also missed a cut at the Sanderson Farm. So this is a concern for Henrik Sensen. You're basically banking on his talent to just pop up out of nowhere here. So that's a little bit worrisome. Three to four missed cuts, a 21st at the uh, corrals where we don't have all the data there. He just gained overall 5.3 total strokes. He lost almost four strokes at the Sanderson Farm, but he gained everywhere else, which is good to see him get the off the tee game going a little bit more. He ended up losing 2.8 strokes when he missed the cut at the US Open. So the game is nowhere near clicking right now. You really want those irons to be firing as they kind of have been to a decent extent, just not an elite extent. And you just need him to like get close and not losing strokes, just like lose a half a stroke putting and not three or four. So Sensen, I'll have some interest in a little bit weary though, because we've seen some form the last time out there. That's the thing that's encouraging. You saw him gain in all major categories except putting, which that can just swing at any moment. So that's the only reason that uh, I'm a little bit uh, more optimistic than staying fully away because we saw some of that form pop out. Uh, Cameron Chingali is going to be somebody else in this range that I like. Again, these guys are just like $6,000 guys every single week. This field is just so bad because like Cameron Chingali is coming in. It's like a top eight overall tee to green player, a borderline top five approach player in this field right now. The irons are easily going to be like top 15. He's playing well as of late. We saw him at the Shriners finish top 20. We've seen him at the 3M Open earlier this year, finish with a top three. He went on a streak of a lot of made cuts and looking good. He's only missed the Safeway Open uh, since the beginning to mid-July in terms of missed cuts. The putter has just been like firing right now. His putter's just been absolutely God mode. He's gained putting in six straight events and eight out of his last nine events right now. He's gained putting in over five strokes in back-to-back -back events at the Shriners and Sanderson Farms. I don't know how much we can rely on that to sustain right now, but he is a good putter and he's pretty solid everywhere else. At 9,200, I don't think he'll pick up that much ownership. He grades out as a pretty decent value for me. Uh, the other guy I'll call out in this range is going to be Peter Malnati. So put, the problem with Peter Malnati is he's going to just pick up a ton of ownership right now. So it's very similar to Will Zalatoris. I mean, if you don't play Peter Malnati, if you fade some other options, if you get to some cheap guys that are unowned, obviously Will Zalatoris, you can have a unique lineup with Will Zalatoris. You just have to get a pretty crafty with it. And everybody is going to start to go and run to Peter Malnati. And I understand why. This is, has been his last three finishes. A 41st at the Corrales, then a second at Sanderson Farms, almost won the damn thing. And then a fifth at Shriners. And he's gaining everywhere. It's hard not to like what you're seeing. His approach play has been firing. Four and a half strokes gained and then 5.7. This is kind of all coming out of absolutely fucking nowhere, though. Like he's had back to back really hot starts. And one of them, he gained nine strokes putting. All right. So at the second at the Sanders, like Sanderson Farm, if you're going to finish that high, you're going to have to get hot with your putter. But he gained nine strokes putting. So that's one thing, right? That's basically an outlier performance. That's the second most that he's ever gained. And the, the most time that he's ever gained was when he actually won the Sanderson Farms in 2015, at least data that we have at 11.8 strokes gained. So maybe it's just something about the Sanderson Farms. And then he comes out of the Shriners, doesn't gain anywhere near as many strokes, just 2.8 for a guy who, you know, long term, he gains like a stroke or so putting over the last 20 events that he's played in over his last 150 about 1.4 so long term he gains with the putter but he is definitely playing over his head there but in terms of his approach play like if you're talking about his long-term approach play he's not a good approach player like long term he loses strokes with the approach play and now he's gaining 4.5 and 5.7 so he's been on a very hot streak this would be the time to jump on him but if everybody is jumping on him at like 25% owned I have him as a maybe right here for me personally it's the same thing about Will Zalatoris Will Zalatoris is a maybe I actually rely on that a little bit more I think his talent is a lot better than Peter Malnati's in the long term we'll probably see that out I'll put him as a maybe because he does 
project out decently because of the recent form that you're getting from him. He also had a 20th at the Wyndham earlier this year. So he has been having a decent year so far. Uh, for, for me personally, though, if I'm building one lineup, I'm probably full out fading him. So that's where the no comes in for me. Uh, it's just not something I want to be relying on. Basically, you're, you're banking on two recent performances for a guy who normally isn't great with the irons. Again, they can change something and this can stay long term, not expecting five plus strokes gain every single event. And then one of those two events that you saw, so a very small sample, one of them, he gained nine strokes with the putter, something that you definitely can't count on his second highest, uh, at least that we have recorded data for. So he's somebody that I'd probably stay away from more times than not. Let's scroll down now to the 8K range, and then we can get into the 7K range. So we're scrolling down to the 8K range. You can see it currently on the screen right now. Moving over to some other things. Please do, if you're still here, hit the like and subscribe button. I appreciate that. So we'll start with Justin Sue, who's one of those guys who came out with all the elites and mega elites that are quickly becoming mega elites, and like your Morikawa's and all uh, the younger type of golfers. I, I believe he graduated or was born in 1997, so a young golfer, graduated from business administration. Justin Sue has looked good as of late, and he's going to be, in my opinion, underpriced for this field based on his talent level. He's coming off of a 14th and a sit in an eighth place right now. The issue is that basically he has not made a cut on his professional tour before these two last two events, right? So you're getting a little bit of hotness out of Justin Sue. He basically missed every single cut since the beginning of 2019 on his uh, tour outside of like maybe one here and there, a, a 3M back in 2019, he finished 58th. And now you're getting him to finish eighth at the Shriners and 14th at the Corral. So something has clicked for this kid. This is somebody that I'm okay to jump on because look, Peter Malnati, some things have switched for him in his last two events and he's going to be 20 plus percent on. Sue might be around 12% owned. Uh, I'd rather go there for that one. So, and also a weaker field event for a younger player could take more advantage of less pressure, less talent around him having to play up to in his grouping and, and things like that. So Justin Sue is somebody that I have interest in. Rasmus, Aaron Weiss, Scott Piercy. These are all guys that I have lesser interest in as of right now. We'll see what ends up happening. Weiss had a third place finish here last year. Getting down now to Maverick McNeely. My concerns with Maverick McNeely are very much similar to Denny McCarthy. Like McNeely grades out nicely for me, but they're very similar players in terms of his best asset is going to be his putter right now. And then outside of that, you also have concerns with distance for Maverick McNeely. You have concerns overall with fairway accuracy. So I'm going to put him from a yes to a maybe. In my projections, he grades out closer to a yes for me, uh, but some guys below him will grade out a little bit better. And then the final two guys in the AK range, Shank and Pat Perez, I have interest in. I would say Shank is closer to a yes than a, than a no for me. He's going to pick up ownership is like the only concern here, but again, it's, it's nothing major. I don't think it'll be anything major, maybe around 15%. The things that you do like and that are nice about him, well, he's going to have accuracy with his driver and he's going to have a decent distance, especially for the price point with his driver. So those are some things that uh, stand out as positives, obviously, for me. And then if you just want to go more into it from strokes gain, he's going to be pretty good off the tee. So he's fade worthy, I have written here. But again, if you're already fading the Peter Malnati's, he's somebody that's going to be okay to get to. And then Pat Perez is somebody that I do like here. Uh, overall strokes gain total top 10 player in this field. He's going to be accurate, not have as much distance, but again, you don't need to have that distance. I'd rather have the accuracy. And then if you combine it with the distance, like Adam Shank can a little bit, that's where it really becomes a nice option. So Pat Perez is somebody that I'm going to be liking. If you want to just look at the recent form on a guy like Pat Perez, who's at $8,000 flat right now, his most recent form is back-to-back -back missed cuts. So this is actually going to keep his ownership lower than it should be. Before that, though, a 21st at the Corrales, a 9th at the Safeway. How is he missing the cuts? His putter is absolutely letting him down. Not the greatest of putters, but definitely not the worst of putters. I would say around average, if not above average in this field. He lost 4.5 strokes at the Sanderson Farms, missed the cut. And then at the beginning of October, last time we saw him, he lost 2.6 strokes with the putter. And that's basically the reasons why he missed the cut. Now, long-term, last 20 rounds, last 20 events, he's basically been around a stroke gain putting overall. So I'm not going to just bank on him losing like on average three strokes over his last two events putting. So if we can get that back a little bit, $8,000, he might be like 500 to $1,000 underpriced. Now let's move to the $7,000 range. So the 7K range, I'm not going to go through every single player in this field. There's a lot of them. It's, it's a lot different than the last couple of weeks. So this is what we're going to do here. Basically, Stuart Sink's going to be 20% home. I'm just full out fading Stuart Sink at that ownership. Not something that I want to be doing. He's going to be $7,900 coming in at what you're seeing. And the reason why like he's picking up ownership is if you just look at what he's been doing recently, I mean, everything's good. Everything across the board for his strokes gain is pretty much average. And for this price point would stand out. He won the Safeway Open. He finished 12th at the Sanderson Farms. Then he finished 64th at the Shriners. I don't know why he's going to be picking up 15 to 20% ownership. Maybe this 
things changes throughout the week, but he's somebody at that ownership that I'm just going to full out fade. I'll gloss over some of the guys that I have slightly interest in and dive deeper into the guys that are yeses. So like guys like Patrick Rogers, Wesley Bryant, Scott Slungs have some interest in Russell Knox, things like that. I'm going to move to Sepp Straka, who I would imagine picks up some ownership here. Uh, he's just a little bit underpriced in my opinion. I wouldn't have been shocked to see Sepp Straka price in the $8,000 range. He's 11th overall in total strokes gained in this field. If you look at his recent form, it's actually been pretty nice. It's coming on uh, three out of the last four. He's made the cut and he's finished basically top 45. Like if you get what he did at the Corrales, a 33rd overall picked up a decent amount of birdies. If you get that at this price point, it doesn't absolutely kill you. You obviously want better. A top 20 would be great, but it's not going to kill you. And I just think that he's a little bit above the talent level that's around him. The putter is going to be fine for him. It's been clicking very nicely as of late. You get the off the tee game and the ball striking the nice combination there. And he's actually lost a half a stroke putting basically in his last two events. Nothing major or catastrophic. Before that, he basically gained with the putter in like 10 straight events. So you know where the putter is going to be there. It's nice to see that the last time we saw him, the approach play was clicking for over three strokes gain. The most that we saw him gain since uh, July when he went really hot. He had a couple of top 15s during that time. I believe he had an eighth place at the Rocket Mortgage. He was like leading after one of the days. So Strzok is somebody I like. Let me get down to this range of Johnny Vegas, Tom Lewis. So a lot of guys here, I just have some interest in. Johnny Vegas is going to project out projections wise good for me. If I just want to like talk about him from an analytics standpoint, he's seventh overall in this field right now in terms of total strokes gain. Number one off the tee player. So that's good to see. If you want to just look at kind of getting a feeling for what his accuracy levels are going to be in this field, his accuracy levels are going to be right around average to above average. He's going to have very good distance. So top 15 driving distance paired with around average or above average accuracy can get it done here. The issue for Johnny Vegas though, is that he's missed a ton of cuts. Like he's missed his last five out of six cuts. So me having him as a yes on here, it's pretty damn bold. The positive things is that if he's making the cut, it's probably because he's staying out of the rough enough to actually make that his driving distance is actually going to be a weapon for him and not a disadvantage. So Johnny Vegas for me is going to be a yes. Again, this is somebody that's going to probably be like four or 5% on. So if I'm getting like 10% of him, that's why he's a yes for me. We'll see though. I might do a live stream on Wednesday. I don't know if I really want to be doing an extra, like this is already an extra piece of content. I don't know if I not even want to, I want to, I don't know if I have the, the bandwidth to do an extra piece of content, especially for the Bermuda championship. So projections and rankings, if you want more, will be up on Patreon. Getting down now, Troy Merritt, Max Holm, I'm going to have some interest in. So Max Holm has really been struggling, but like he's just a different caliber of player. I would say long-term compared to the guys around him, but a big, big issue is just how bad he's been struggling as of late. Max Homa will fit the bill here in terms of being eighth overall in strokes gain over his last 50 rounds. Off the tee game has been great, but he just checks out just like Jonathan Vegas in terms of he's missing four of his last five missed cuts. He's basically been missing like 10 out of his last 13. He addressed this on Twitter, basically saying that he has to get better. He's going to take a break and get better. And then he came out and he lost basically every single where possible at the Shriners. So that wasn't great in terms of taking a break off of about two to three weeks. So Homa, yeah, there's been no recent life out of this guy, no recent form. He projects out nicely for me because if you just take into account anything more than let's just say the past two months of his, you're going to start to get to the spots where he was finishing very highly, where he was a stable golfer. But everything, if you just look at what he's been doing recently, has been pretty poor. He's only gained off the tee. That's the only spot he's gained in two events in like the last three events. Every other strokes game category has not been great. So instead of being a little bit aggressive and putting him as a yes here, Jackson Wise will probably look a little bit more like a yes for me because I do wait recent form, but I also wait long-term form and things like that. So we'll, we'll try and get him out of there a little bit. Troy Merritt, Jason Duffner will be decent here. Uh, Duffner is interesting. He's always priced down in these lower ranges, even in these weaker field events, or he's like the $6,000 minimum guy when you have some of those star-studded no-cut events. Uh, Duffner, he's coming off of very similar things, a bunch of missed cuts. Three out of his last five have been missed cuts. He has some decent finishes in there, though, like a bunch of top 30s or top 35 finishes at the Safeway, Wyndham, the 3M Open. Duffner's biggest thing is what's going to happen with the putter. Uh, Duffner will be gaining in strokes, gain off the tee, tee to green, all these types of categories. If you want to just kind of get an idea of what Duffner's accuracy is, it's going to be very good accuracy. He won't have much distance, so he profiles that from that regard as like more Brendan Todd-esque. So Duffner is interesting. You just have to hope that the putter doesn't complete 
completely fall apart. He's ranked 128th putting in this field out of like 148 to 150 golfers. So not the greatest overall, but Duffner at this price tag at 7,100. I'm willing to take some shots on it. Lots of other guys in this range, like Bryce Garnett, Jason Hadley, uh, Dumgin, Stanley, Piercy, they, they stand out to me. Let's move now to the 6K range where I'm not going to have much interest below 6,500, just being transparent. Bo Hassler is picking up some early ownership. I don't know if that's something that'll be uh, filtered out, but I don't have any interest uh, if he's going to be that chalky. Brendan Grace is somebody I have a lot of interest in. He is just going to be grading out at this price point of 6,900. You're almost just banking on the talent here. He's not been all that great as of late, but he still grades out as a top 10 T to green player. He still grades out top 20 around the green. 13th overall in this field in terms of approach over the last 50 rounds. That seems fine. He's just missing a bunch of cuts. He's missed cuts in three straight events. The time before that was the safe way where he actually looked good. And then he missed like five straight cuts since that. So Brendan Grace has just been absolutely abysmal from that standpoint. When I put a yes by a player, especially when they're in this price range. So let me move this over here a little bit so you can see all the strokes gained at on the, on the video version. But when I put a yes by a player, that does not mean go get 100% of them. It means if I had to pick somebody between the $6,900 golfers, it would be Brendan Grace over Nick Watney, over Bo Hoslow, over Scott Harry. And that's basically what it means. Sometimes it also means over the 6,800 golfers, just the guys around them. That does not mean that a yes on Brendan Grace means that he's a better play than Brendan Todd, who has a no on him, right? No, that's not what that means. It's relative to their price range is basically what I'm trying to get here. And you can see exactly how relative and exactly what the value looks like on Patreon with the projections, rankings, all that stuff linked down below. In this type of a field, all these guys that are missing cuts as of late, they're doing that in loaded fields. So it's going to be a little bit easier, right? If they played in all the events that they're playing in now, those missed cuts would probably go down a decent amount. Hudson Swarford, you've seen him basically miss every single cut. And then he comes out and wins the Corrales, right? Uh, so another guy that I have some interest in uh, just because of the overall play style that you're going to get from him. You're going to get an above average overall total gain strokes player. You're going to get somebody who just did recently win. And he has a lot of distance on him. He's around average, maybe a little bit below average in accuracy. So that's the one thing that might be a little bit of a concern. We could probably move Swarford to a maybe. And then this like whole range just becomes a maybe is the issue. Kyung Hung Lee, I have some interest in. Will Gordon, I have some interest in. He's playing for some things as well. I believe some sort of uh, tour card. I don't know if it's a temporary membership or some sort of tour card he's playing for. He's fifth off the tee, 22nd in the overall strokes game. Uh, the issue is that he's just missing cuts right now, but he's a very talented golfer at $6,700. He profiles out of my projections as a pretty decent play. Same things can be said for Chase Seifert, who had a couple of small sample size issues, right? He had a couple of like holding out from like 150 yards, which is making him get really propped up. But in this range, he still does stand out compared to like Bohag, Ryan Armour, Kelly Craft, that type of stuff. So I'll have interest in Chase Seifert and Will Gordon, some of the younger players. Uh, Vaughn Taylor looks decent for me. As I scroll down, DJ Tron actually grades out nice if you're looking just for $6,500 golfers. So does Roger Sloan. And then below $6,500, have to be honest with you there's really nothing down here like i think that john oda looks okay like john oda is actually popping out of my projections it's probably more of a small sample size data issue uh, than anything else but he is popping out of my projections a decent amount uh the reasons why and what he's basically good at and it's not going to be a lot of things that you're looking at down here that a player is going to be good at but he's just pretty consistent everywhere outside of on the approach and he's missed the cut like every single place that he's played but he's basically played in like smaller field events and just no name events not on the pga tour uh but he's basically missing the cut everywhere even in those so these are just guys that i really don't have much interest in like peter you line up top and you putting them to an extent um that's a camellio that's about it these guys are just dust in my opinion like if you're looking for something to target down here maybe you just look for what, what sets up on the field right so you're looking for guys that are going to be accurate in the fairway and have some type of distance on them so guys that are going to be accurate yeah chris baker will be accurate but nothing else is really going to click probably for you there i mean you get a decent amount of ball striking out of chris baker so that's a 6500 golfer right this is below 6500 so if i'm looking for that combination of accuracy plus distance you're probably not going to find it in here i think josh teeter offers a little bit of that andrew putnam offers none of that he would get you there mainly from like a putting standpoint if you were to go to him and just get really hot with a putter you're probably not going to get that accuracy and distance combination out of really anybody like the ones that i do see josh teeter looks okay bill haas looks decent in that regard if you want to go down to graham dillette he looks decent in that regard as well just been really struggling in a lot of other areas so maybe graham dillette is somebody that we can get a little bit of exposure to that can be a guy that at least profiles out decently and you're just trying to take your chances on 
Other than that, if you really want to go down, James Nichols, I don't know anything about these men. They're just grading out in small sample sizes as guys that have a decent accuracy plus driver distance rating on them, which is where this course kind of sets up a, a nice amount if you could have both those things clicking. But I appreciate you tuning in. This is just a scrubs level. I don't really have much here. I'm probably going to crunch my lineups on Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday evening for the Thursday contest. I don't think I'm going to do a live stream. Maybe I'll surprise myself and do one tomorrow, depending on how fresh I feel. But a lot of content to come out for NFL this week, which if you're just finding me for golf, be sure to check out that NFL content. Hopefully this helped you going through each of the salary ranges. I'm referencing my projections. I'm referencing a bunch of strokes gain data and some other stuff that trying to fit some players to this course, uh, fit their recent form, things like that. You're going to find a lot of bad golfers. So when you're going to look at what they've done recently, you're going to find a lot of golfers that you're interested in that have either placed very low or have missed a shit ton of cuts. And it's just the type of event you're playing, baby. You just have to adjust to that. You have to understand that this is a totally different field. And honestly, when it comes down to it, a totally different field, I think that you still want to be trying to get these top end players in your lineup. But the 7K range, in my opinion, does look pretty good. Like a lot of 7K golfers this week look exactly like the 8K range and look pretty damn close to the 9K range, in my opinion. And honestly, and honestly, you could push some of them, some of them, like Emmanuel Griot and the way that Redmond's played as of late, you could push some of these guys that they look pretty similar to the 10K range plus as well. So when it all comes down to that, I'm fine fading some of these expensive price ranges. I'm fine fading the guys with ownership. It's going to be very easy, in my opinion, to build a unique lineup, especially if 40% of the ownership is going to come in on one guy. It becomes very easy then to build some unique lineups, just getting away from that. So thank you so much for tuning in. Hit the like and subscribe before you go and check out Monkey Knife Fight. They're the sponsor of the show. My last name, Vetri, V-E-T-R-I. I don't know how much longer this promotion is going to last. We'll get you free money up to $50 on their player props. Some of their other game loans, you can check it out. Whatever you put in, they'll match you up to that. Projections and rankings down below for this golf event and definitely the Masters next week and all the NFL stuff you can ask for. There's a whole description about it in the description below. It takes you over there, lets you know what you would get offered and the tools. The more information you have, the better chance you have of winning. Thank you so much, everybody, and I will see you all in the next one.